A demon obsessed with being human is a demon no longer. John Connolly, The Infernals. Welcome to another episode of This Uncanny Earth. Tonight we will be discussing demonic possession and exorcism. While there is no explicit language, this topic may be unsettling for some. Listener discretion is advised. And welcome to another episode of This Uncanny Earth. As always, I am your host, Robert Solomon, and flanking me ready to take out any invaders is Spider. <laughs> invaders. Invaders. Absolutely. I kind of wonder if we'd ever get any invaders. Like, somebody's just going to show up in the show and, like, it's my show now. Well, the Do other the person. Shrek, like, my swamp. The only person that's allowed to show up on this show is Count St. Germain. And he can, he's always got an open invitation. Mm-hmm. So, um, welcome everybody. Uh, like I said at the beginning, it's going to be kind of a sensitive topic tonight with demon possession and exorcism. So anybody that's not uh, that's not really feeling it, feel mm-hmm. free to check us out next week. But no, there will be a penalty for that. You'll have to pay us like fifty bucks to skip our show. It's, it's and a, take a it's penalty a kick. Take and you know they don't get a penalty kick. We penalty kick them. No. no, no, no. They got to take the kick, and it has to go at least as far as the Cannonville Ghost. <laughs> and if you want to know how far that is, then you have to track him down and find him. And that's what makes it uh, a challenge. It's going to be rough, guys. Rough, guys. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to start the show off, I think, with a dad joke. Oh, man. Get your, get your times ready. I was, I was just hoping it wasn't. But... See, that's the problem. You see, you're so negative about everything. Well, that's what we got. You got it's like a uncanny battery. We got the positive, we got the negative. True, true. Got to have both. But this this one will be good. This one this one is almost uh, like us here. A woman told her friends, "They call my husband the Exorcist." Her friend said, "Why? As soon as he gets to a party, he rids it of all the spirits." Yes, ladies and gentlemen, that is your uncanny dad joke of the show. Um, I would say I'm clapping on the inside, but I'm really not. He's just dying on the inside, which is fine. So, dying on the inside, oh Welcome to episode 49. 49 episodes. We're about to reach half a hundred episodes, man. Half a hundred right. episodes. We're getting there, too. We're, 
half a centennial. Is is there something like a half a centennial? Is there a word for that? I know we got bicentennial, but we're not. That'd be double. Yeah, just we'll just go. I don't know. We'll go five decades. We've been doing this for five long decades. Hey. A show a year. No, it'd be ten shows a five year. Five decades on the uncanny show. Um, just just I some. I forgot why we did it. Just some show information. I have the Patreon complete, um, and it will be launching. I think the next time I go live. So probably Monday or Tuesday, depending on when Spider goes live. Because we, 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 I try to, I don't want to offset him. And so, you know, I enjoy going live now. That was Spider's thing for a while. I didn't want mm. people to see my John Merrick-esque face. And if nobody knows who John Merrick is, check out the movie The Elephant Man. That is John Merrick. I'm not an animal. Oh, man, that's such a he depressing a movie. Being. I've seen that like. Oh well, yeah, it was depressing times. And people were like, "Man, it's it's good." I, I remember my parents had me watch it when I was younger, and I was like, "Man, that's heavy. It's real heavy." So, nonetheless, welcome everyone who's listening tonight. We're glad you're here. Um, we're gonna. So, what we did last week, as most of you who were here know or listened or whatever, um, we talked about demons, specific demons. We went into Moloch, we went into uh, um, Hurricane, and we discussed that. We discussed a couple other things, went into a little bit of pop culture, just to kind of give you a refresher. If you need to catch up, feel free after the show to go to episode 48, where we discussed demons. So. You know, go check that out when you get a chance. Also, mm-hmm. don't forget, September 6th through the 8th, we will be in Flatwoods, West Virginia for the Flatwoods Monster Festival. That's and right. then I believe a week after that on the 13th, if I am not mistaken, I will have to check my calendar. Let me check my calendar. Boop, beep, boop, beep, boop, beep, boop, beep, boop, boop. Yes, Friday the 13th. <laughs> Excellent. We will be at the Canton Palace Theater to watch Momo the Missouri Monster, a small town monsters Seth Breedlove production. So, oh yeah, the yes. next one on the list. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. Get out there and see that. Um, he's also going to be a couple other places screening that movie. So if you live near the places he's going to be, check that out. Go check them out. Um, I feel like they should sponsor us for each episode as much as we. As much praise as we give them. <laughs> so, Seth, if you're listening, kick us over some sweet, sweet ducats. Nah, it's fine. Um, I, I like supporting the hometown folks because we're hometown folks. So it's it's uh, mm-hmm. it's real cool to to do that. So uh, let's see if there's any other uncanny news, 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 news. I don't think so. Do you have any uncanny news this week, Spider? Uh, in the in the papers or the? Uh, um. Well, there's some interesting paper? stuff that that happened. Um. As far as sciencey things goes, um, one of the things is that they uh, there's a new article on. I saw it on uh, physics.org, so phys.org, um, talking about because they've been worrying about dark matter. Everybody's trying to figure out about dark matter, see if it exists for one thing. Which they're pretty. Most of the scientific community is like, okay, yeah, we believe it exists, but they don't know how it affects things. And um, they recently came to a, a hypothesis. Um, having trouble with calculations because anything with dark matter is kind of like eh, because they don't have any direct proof of it. It's all inferred. But they come across some calculations saying that perhaps dark matter 
was here before the Big Bang, which is super, super interesting. Um, because uh, they theorize, of course, that it's um, it was one of the building blocks of the early universe. It's one of the reasons why the universe is expanding, all that kind of good stuff. And if you're not a, a physics person or a space person, you might be just kind of like, what? But it's fascinating stuff. And, um, and the fact that they think that it's before the Big Bang occurred, before our observable universe is here, really kind of gets me thinking. Because uh, while I'm not a particularly religious person, I'm into the religious texts and things. I've read them all. And, um, and one of the points in, uh, in book of Genesis, if you're, if you're into um, Christianity, things like that, and uh, old Judaism is that uh, before the earth was formed, everything was void and lifeless and, and just whatever. And it was, it was called like the dark, the, the deep, the waters of the deep and things like that. Could that have been an allusion to dark matter? Uh, interesting stuff. So, um, while it's not strictly like super uncanny, I think if you look at it from an uncanny perspective, it could raise a lot of really interesting questions. Um, now, in something that I saw today, uh, and I don't, I don't remember how old it was. I just saw it in passing, and it wasn't anything where I was like, where, where I think it's factually based. It's just something I thought was pretty interesting. Mm. Um, out in Russia, supposedly there's an ancient defensive system to keep us safe from the fallen angels of the book of Enoch. Uh, oh, the domes. Yeah. So supposedly um, America and the EU are trying to destroy them because the fallen angels are ruling over the Western civilization. And that's why you see an increase in certain things. I'm not going to jump into the whole religious aspect of it. If you want my opinion on that, well, you're not going to get it because that's something for another time and another day. Um, but I just found it to be interesting because, you know, they uh, they pointed to Russia as being the end-all, be-all um, spot where the uh, fallen angels. It was the only place that they listed as having a sort of defensive system in place, a defense network um, in place. So, which I was like, well, what if they what if they attack from the other side of the planet? Does it go through the Earth? Do the secret bases in Antarctica come alive? So, and some <clears throat> of the things that that got people thinking about this is because these they're like these dome like, stone like um, structures in craters, in like craters and cisterns and depressions and things, and they they give off like they're, they're radioactive. They're radioactive, and they've never been able to fully explore them 100% because they're they're radioactive, and people get sick just going in them. Mm -hmm. And uh, so there's a lot of theory that perhaps it was some planetary thing where it, it blasts. It can protect us from asteroids. It can protect us from, from outside invasion, uh, all kinds of things. So whether even from a, a purely speculative science kind of perspective, it, there's still the theory that it was some kind of defensive anti um anti-invader kind of system which i'm not sure really it, most of the articles i've read have never said why they believe that uh i think there's some local folklore folklore in the folklore. area folklore i think there's some folklore in the area that says something about how they were used in in the ancient past or or something like it. stories passed down but nothing really conclusive so interesting stuff if you get a chance mm -hmm. um by all means read up on that it's good stuff um, and also, they say that the uh, um, 
the Siberian Fireball from the 1900s uh, was supposedly yeah was supposedly the domes firing off and blowing up uh, alien invaders. That's one of the many theories that they hold mm-hmm. for that one. Um, and I, I sometimes wonder if um, the the Tetlyov Pass and Tunguska are related because there's uh, definite information for both places. And I think, didn't Ditlyov, I, I think I pronounced that right. If I didn't, and there's any Russians that are listening, my apologies. But wasn't there radiation found there? They say people like, knife their way out of the tents. and Yeah, they, they found some kind of radioactive energy in some spots. Um, and, uh, and that's another thing, too. I saw something recently where there's renewed interest in that. Like, they're reopening mm-hmm. some things about that. But I don't know how they're going to go about doing that. I just uh, I had read that they're going to go back and, and reexamine that case because they don't have – a definitive answer for what happened. These people all showed up, they went missing and there's conflicting reports that perhaps there, there was a creature there or, or there's creatures, an event there or creatures or, or hard to say. There's a game about it called Cola, which I have not finished. Um, it's one of those games where you really have to like be in a real mindset to be running from an invisible monster. It's a walking simulator. And, uh, I had just started it, and then I was kind of like, man, this game is like kind of playing on me a little bit. I'm, it's a little too intense for what I'm doing right now. I'll pick it up again later. And I haven't gone back to it. But um, if anybody else is interested... I got about halfway through it, actually. And it gets intense. Wait till you like go up this mountain, and there's... I ain't gonna get... I ain't really gonna talk about it. <laughs> it, it gets Spoiler serious. Spoiler-free is a way to be... It, it gets real serious, so... But yeah, those so are, there you those go, are some things. Some uncanny news for you we i need to make a little thing that's like da, 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 uncanny news this just in i used to sit like we used to have the this news thing on the last network and i know i talk about a lot of people like oh blah blah, blah stop i know but we had some good things that actually you know were yeah. a part of that yes. and the little news thing i always wanted to have one of those all points bulletin that was like morse code but it wasn't they used to play on those old like news shows when they'd have a bulletin come in back in like really, really old days, before I was born even really, and they'd make fun of them in old movies and things like incoming news brief. We should I always wanted to use that sound and we just we didn't do it on the other network. I don't I don't think they quite understood what it was. It might have been something that was just like way past everybody, but um but I remember it. Someday. Someday. All right. Well let's get to the meat and potatoes topic of our uh show tonight and that is demonic possession and exorcism once again last week oh, we talked man. about demons so if you're looking to get into that head on over to our site www.spreaker.com backslash this uncanny earth for all of your uncanny needs and that would be episode 48 tonight episode 49 demonic possession and exorcism now, and one quick thing too before oh, we launch right into it is it better be uh, the quickest thing ever. Okay. Just a shout out to everybody who's listening on Spreaker, but also a shout out to all of our listeners on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Music, etc. I'm not going to go down the whole list because it's a long list, but if you're listening to us on a different streaming service and it's not live, that's cool. I'm just glad you're listening. So a little shout out to all you folks out there across the internet. Yes, and a big shout out to everybody who's who's listening. Period. Mm-hmm. Like he said, everybody's listening. Everybody who's been supportive of us, saying kind words, buying the merch, getting the T-shirts, um, all of it. We we do appreciate it, and we're gonna keep mm-hmm. growing 
and I got some great things in works for for you folks. Uh, without further ado, demonic possession and exorcism. So let's jump right into it here. Uh, I know some people might think, "Hey, exorcism, man, that's got to be Christian slash." Uh, Catholicism, Judaic, uh, Islamic religious beliefs, right? Abraham era style religions. Mm -hmm. It is not. It actually goes back over 5,000 years to ancient To my favorite people. Go ahead, finish. I want it. They're my favorite people. Go on. Nope, I'm not because you don't know how to, you don't know how to behave. You, you no, don't I don't. Know how to behave. I'm you just go so excited about it because anytime <laughs> we talk about them, I'm just like, oh, I, these are my boys. These are my my ladies and my dudes and everybody. This is every gender that was around at the time. Five thousand years ago to ancient Mesopotamia. Actually. Yes. Um, and I want to big, give a big shout out and a big thank you to the date duration calculator because I had a little bit of a goof moment. I couldn't figure out how to get to. Um, get to that get to that number, so I had to use that. But then I realized all you do is just you add the BC and AD years, and you subtract one for year zero. Depending if you use BC or BCE, I was using BC slash AD. It doesn't really matter if you need to know. It's a long time ago. All right, there. I'll just take care of that. <laughs> um, so it was believed that all forms of sickness came from powerful spirits that entered the person's body from the head. Usually it was from the head. It went in the ear and went into the brain. Now, some great some great people there, the Assyrians, Babylonians, people not from there, Hindu and Persian civilizations, all have tales regarding possession by an evil force, um, mm-hmm. whatever that may be, whatever their demons were. Um, for their different aspects of religion. Now, as we all know, Christianity is the most popular source for demonic possession. We can read into uh, the New Testament to find Jesus casting out many demons, such as Legion, um, mm-hmm. and, and really just curing a lot of folks that, that had different sicknesses from demonic possession. Um, the Middle Ages, which would sit at 500 to 1500 A.D., saw a resurgence of superstition and demonology. Now, once again, with the with the Middle Ages, or as folks call them, the Dark Ages, there was a lot of um, inquisitors and sort of like, you did do it right. No, and you might not have anything to do with it, but it doesn't matter because they're going to force a confession out of you and enough pain mm-hmm. and enough anguish and enough torture, you know, you're going to put one out. And the clergy at the time did abuse a lot of people that were suffering from mental illnesses like psychosis and TLE, which we'll touch on in one of the um, demonic possession cases here in, in a little bit. But uh, they, they abused a lot of people. And I, and I want to take a, a second to say that um, we shouldn't blame religion for the way these people act. It's not the book's fault. It's the person who is reading from the book's fault and manipulating it. And, you know, we see that today with a lot of these big mega churches. Um, and and I know uh, personally um, of a of a preacher that got into some some trouble. He was doing some very 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 bad things, um, mm. and, and the church covered it up. Uh, and and I went to this church for a while. I'm not I'm not going to put that out there, um, but suffice it to say that uh, you know he's still he's still preaching and he's still doing his thing. I don't go there anymore, and nothing mm. bad ever happened to me. But when it came out in the news, I wasn't surprised. And I'll just, I'll kind of leave it at that. 
Um, and, and I would say I'm an expert on, on going to church because I've been to many ever since I was a young man um, and a young kid. So I can always tell. And a lot of churches, you know, they just a lot of people um, misuse it. So I, I don't want the religion itself to get a bad name because um, it's not the religion itself. It's the people. So we have to frame it in that regard before we start saying, oh, all religions bad. And then you get to that, that point of just being kind of obnoxious. And, and that goes for. For atheists or, or over overtly religious zealot type folks, you both can be obnoxious. So knock it off. Say here, if if it brings you as a person, not just you specifically as an, if it brings you Robert, blah blah blah. <laughs> if it brings anyone out there, if it brings you as a person, um, if it brings you peace, and it's not hurting anybody else, I'm all for it. And that's the thing, too. A lot of people use the kind of stuff, and then they do try to hurt other people with it. Like, they're trying to shut down other people's rights and stuff like that. And and I, that's bad, obviously. That's going against what I said. But if it brings you peace and you don't have to go out of your way to mess with somebody else's peace, then it's all good. Do you? Oh, uh, one quick second here. We have Draconis in the live chat tonight. Uh, and she says, fun fact. The house that I grew up in had to be exercised from, uh, or exercised from, oh, by priests, when my grandparents first bought it due to demons, and during the whole process, every window was busted outwards. My grandfather was a very serious, hardcore Christian, would not have admitted such things if it didn't happen. Oh, man, that's, uh, that's mm -hmm. definitely, that's definitely crazy, um. I would think it'd be it'd be rough to have to pay for all the all that glass to get fixed, and you know, mm -hmm. as a homeowner, the first thing I think of is, oh man, I gotta pay for all that. <laughs> so yeah, it's <laughs> it's definitely um it's definitely crazy, and and I think what we also need to take into account um, is that not everything is is demonic possession. Uh, I recently talked to a, to a good buddy of mine, you know him as uh, Mr. James Creechbaum, who will be on the show on August the twenty second. Uh, I said, you know, we, we had a we had a little discussion, just a little quick, like a couple sentences back and forth on Messenger, and I said, mm. you know, man, um, I don't I don't necessarily believe in demonic possession all the time. You know, I believe it's very rare, and he kind of echoed the same sentiment that it's it's a very rare thing, and um, and the funny thing is, uh, a 2003 study by the Public Policy Polling or the Triple P showed that 44 percent of Americans over 65 believed in demonic possession or I'm sorry did not believe in demonic possession that was my error 50% 57% of Americans 47 to 65 did and Americans 18 to 29 63% believed in demonic possession so let me rephrase that the uh, I was right the first time on the over 65 it actually is just 44% um 57% of 47 to 65 and then 63% from 18 to 29 believe in demonic possession which is fascinating because you know a lot a lot of the, a lot of the younger generations don't hold on to some of the older mm. traditional viewpoints of their um, parents or of grandparents so that's kind of fascinating it's also kind of odd to see that uh, over 65 don't and I and I I would almost um, attribute that to you know um, a change in society we don't live in the uh, in the pre-industrial age. So I think when you have all this kind of new, um, I don't really want to, like new, newer technology or uh, a more advanced civilization, 
I think a lot of those ideals get pushed out the window because you don't think about it as much. You're too busy working a nine to five and you got to take care of the kids or you're in college or you're in school and you're consistently studying. So you don't give credence to some of the old ways. And I think that has probably Mm -hmm. plays a point in that. But I think also with the 18 to 29, maybe we see some more um, spiritualized folks. So, you know, it's, it's very fascinating how that all kind of clicks together. Um, And another quick note, like I said, with the whole mental illness aspect, uh, it was thought to be hysteria, mania, psychosis, Tourette's syndrome, schizophrenia, and personality disorders. So that's how a couple of the uh, demonic possessions were characterized by those. So we just have to kind of be really careful Mm. um, when we when we do that kind of. uh, classification, I want to say, before we jump. To well, it used to be too. Um, you know. It used to be in the uh, in the Victorian age that that even up to that point, even in starting to get into a more enlightened kind of frame of mind, that all uh, mental illness was considered some form of possession, and so you had asylums full of people mm-hmm. that were crazy that really needed a lot of help. That just a little help would have gone a long way, but because uh, the prevailing thought was, oh, they got demons in them. Then they didn't get any sort of real help of any kind. And so they just got worse. And they were some pretty nasty places. I mean, they were awful, awful places. They were unsanitary. They were they were just real bad. And it was, wasn't was really until um, the, the, mid, uh, the mid-20th century, really, even a little bit before that, that people started really looking at it as like, okay, you just, you got mental problems. It's, it's not a demon, or at least they believed it wasn't a demon. I'm not saying it couldn't have been for all those people who are like, well, some of them probably were. Mm-hmm. And that's probably true. Uh, if you're into that kind of thing. And that's the topic of the show, of course. But um, a lot of it was more up to people just needing some help in their brains. And, um, and so I kind of, I think that made a, a big change in how we viewed that kind of stuff. But at the same time, for some of those things that might legitimately be possessions, I think we might've lost some focus on that. And also to, to kind of touch off what you just said, the, the drugs and things like that, that they gave some of Mm -hmm. these folks that had these different sort of diseases and mental illnesses exacerbated it. They didn't really leave it as much. And we'll see that in one of the upcoming demonic possessions that I researched about um and we see that she she probably had that but um you know exorcisms are dangerous very very dangerous it's not something to be lightly played with um mm-hmm. a lot of times especially with the older exorcisms from the middle ages they would beat people starve people they would treat people like they were inanimate objects and just kind of hurt them because they thought they were hurting the demon and when the people would scream like no that hurts they just thought it was the demon trying to gain sympathy so they wouldn't keep trying to drive it out um, as we will see with the rite of exorcism which I will talk about much later on um, that changes there's not I, and I'm not gonna say the abuse still doesn't happen but in the in the um, in the code itself, you know, there's not really a mm. lot. There's not the room for abuse. It's more of basically saying a series of prayers, laying of hands, touching them with holy garments or holy artifacts, and just kind of saying, hey, you know, get out. You know, I'm here in the name of Jesus Christ. It's time for you to move along. And we'll see that. Now, that's not to say there's not some abuses, but for the most part, that's what you're going to have. So, mm. um, 
and uh, let's kind of kick it off here with the first case of demonic possession and one of the most famous actual cases of demonic possession and that would be Annalise Michel and I think that's pronounced right because it's not Michael it's Michel I think um, born September 21st 1952 and she died July 1st 1976 um, which is kind of kind of crazy because she was born on the same day I was not in 52 but I mean September 21st mm. um, I'm not that old yet so <laughs> but uh, but she's one of the most famous um and she was born in Germany, and this all begins in 1968, when uh, when Annalise suffered a severe convulsion and was diagnosed with temporal lobe epilepsy. Now, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna take a short detour here just to explain to you folks what um, temporal lobe epilepsy is, or TLE. You know, get your doctor's stick, get your doctor's outfit on, get your stethoscope. We're going on a little doctor trail here. TLE is a mixture of feelings, thoughts, and experiences. These could all be foreign or familiar. And TLE can cause old memories, familiar places, and people to feel strange and unknown. So, you know, you might look at, you know, I might look at Spider and be like, I don't know who that guy is. Or I might go in my house and not know where I'm at. This is just some of the things that could happen. Um, people feel strange. They'll have hallucinations of voices, music, see people that aren't there, smells or tastes. And at the time, the person may also be overwhelmed with fear, intellectual fascination, or pleasure. And so I want to make sure that that everybody knows that before we dive into the rest of this here. Now, of course, as I say, she did have TLE. And they gave her, and I, it's it's doctor terminology, medicine. So if if I butcher it, all you PhDs out there, let me know. Uh, You pharmacologists, let me know. Uh, Aolept, Dilantian, and Tegretol, and a couple of couple other antipsychotics. Um, but so that all coupled with what Annalise had, she begins to see devil faces, hallucinations while praying, hearing voices. She becomes intolerant of sacred religious artifacts like crucifixes, pictures of saints, pictures of Jesus. Pictures of um, the uh, what they would deem the Holy Mother, which would be Mary, Jesus's mother, uh, and so she just she she goes out to places, um, um, church. I, I want to say I don't want to say so much pilgrimage, but they have shrines and stuff set up, and so they mm. try to take her out to these places, but she can't go near them. She can't let holy water touch her lips. Uh, and so in 1975, an exorcism is granted for Annalise. And it's granted by the church because when you do, when you um, ask for an exorcism, the church has to first grant it. So you can't, yeah. I can't just all of a sudden I see Craig and he's crazy. I can't just perform an exorcism on him. I don't know how to do that. You know, I, I have to get. Because uh, it could be I'm just, you know, low on whiskey. And, and he does that when he's low on whiskey. Yeah, he's a wild guy. <laughs> He's a real wild type of individual. Um, oh, man. I'm not even a priest. So, first of all, I can't perform it. Like, I couldn't just call the church and be like, hey, uh, you guys don't know me. I'm the host of this uncanny earth. I need to perform an exorcism on my friend. Has he had Has he had too much whiskey? Yeah, he's fine. Oh, see? There. Done and done. Um, so, it has to be granted to a priest. And this priest, Ernst Alt, uh, he did not believe she had TLE. 
but that she was actually possessed by a demon. And multiple demons, might I add. She was given not one, not two, but 67 exorcism sessions um, a couple of weeks, and they would last up to four hours. And this was pretty much performed between 1975 and 76. So if you if you go into it, and I mean, um, I don't know if, if Spider did this, but I actually went and listened to the tapes, um, and I looked at pictures, and it is very disturbing to listen to. I, I was going to actually play some on the show, but I don't really want to do that for some of the folks that might have... Um, I don't want to say children because I, I don't think this would be a great show for children. I mean, unless they're it's of age to know. But I, I don't want to, you know, like kind of scare folks. You know, if you want to listen to them, they're on YouTube. Um, the Annalise Michael tapes, you can listen to them there for yourself and, and pull out what you will. Very, very disturbing tapes. Um, definitely listen to them at your own discretion. And don't uh, don't message me later like, hey, you scared me. I, I gave you full warning on this one. <laughs> so, you know, don't don't cut me. Uh, she dies on the 1st of July in 1976, as I stated towards the beginning of the show. The autopsy itself has stated that malnutrition and dehydration were the cause due to semi-starvation while the exorcism was performed. Now, Annalise said that she wanted to suffer for the youth of Germany because she felt at the time that the youth of Germany weren't going in the proper direction that they should have, that they weren't Christ-like, that they were um, becoming sinful and sinners. And so she has visions of um, angels and, and um, the Holy Mother, as they call her, telling her, okay, um, you're doing this for a better purpose. It's going to be tough, but you're doing this for, for a good purpose. And so she was consistently conflicted um, because, you know, when you're in that state, it's not pleasurable. It's not fun. She weighed 68 pounds and both of her knees were broken because of genuflections. Now, what genuflections are, um, you see them a lot in Catholicism. And that's basically like the continuous bending of your knees in prayer um, and staying mm. in that position for long periods of time. You see it in, in churches when they have altar calls, but in Catholicism, it's it's um, it's more prevalent for longer times than in, say, an altar call, which might last. I mean, the folks there might be there for a half hour, but uh, it's usually only once. And I believe in Catholicism, it's multiple times a, a, a mass. And a mass is the consuming of the bread and the wine um uh, alluding to the flesh and blood of Christ, as he said at the Last Supper. Mm. So I just want to get that out of the way. Um, and so in pop culture, a little pop culture segment right here, the exorcism of Emily Rose is based on the trial of the uh, the parents and Ernst Alt. They were both charged with negligent homicide. During the trial, the parents and the priest said the demons identified themselves as Lucifer, Cain, Judas, Hitler, Nero, and others. Um, in the aftermath, the parents and the priest were given six months in jail, which was suspended, and three years of probation. Hmm. So we have this high-profile case, at least I would consider it to be a high-profile case, where they use hmm. the defense of demonic possession. 
which we will see in the next account I will give. But Spider, I wanted to get some of your um, uh, viewpoints on this because to me, I don't think she was demonically possessed. I think the TLE and the sort of cocktail of different um, medications and the religious upbringing kind of planted that seed. And once again, it's not to say that demonic mm. positions aren't real. I don't want to rule that out right. ever. But I think it was more the TLE and the and all of the drugs taken together, and it sort of had this adverse effect on her um, and caused her to become that state or, 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 or put herself into that position. Yeah, I... I'm really like a big um, – I'm the type of person who's really against the, the whole chemical cocktail kind of thing that goes on in the world right now. I'm really like not very happy with the state of um, of healthcare, especially here in the United States as far as that goes because the automatically the first thing to do is, is prescribe some medication for almost everything. And, uh, and I think there's too much of it. I think, uh, I think we're, we're too much reliant – on stuff like that. And um, I, I definitely think the more of those things, the more of those compounds you have mixed together uh, in a combination, then the worse somebody's going to be off. Because a lot of times you need one medication for the actual issue that people prescribe it for. You need another medication to offset the side effects from the first medication. Then you need a third medication to offset things that both of those medications combined are causing you to be deficient in like a like immune system disorder or something like that and then you need another medication to fix something else and another and another and it's just how do you even know that the original problem is still being taken care of mm-hmm. and, and she, uh, couple that with that she had that uh that issue with her her she had the the lobe thing already and it's just it's a bad combination i mean she may have been possessed she could have been i don't know but I don't know. I, I tend to doubt that kind of stuff at this point. Yeah. Like I said, I, I don't think it was possession in this case. Um, and very few, when I did, when I was doing the research, um, very few cases came up to me to where I was like, Oh yeah, they were possessed 100%. Uh, so it, it's really difficult to ascertain if this actually was a case of possession. I don't believe it was. Now, I do want to say rest in peace to that young lady because, you know, um, I, I think... It was a hard life. Yeah, I hard think life. one of the worst things a human being can go through is battling their own mind. You know, mm. if you have um, a disease on other parts of your body, yeah, it hurts, but you still have your mental faculties for the most part. Now, you know, the pain and stuff that gives way to, to, some, to some things. But I think when your own brain is turning against you, you know, I, I think to me that is the roughest, um, you know, the uh, the roughest thing a person can go through. Now, I, I'm sure some people say, mm-hmm. oh, but you don't know about this cancer or that cancer. And and, and I'm not knocking um, an ailment that a person may have a disease. You know, I, I'm, I'm not doing that at all. But to mm-hmm. me, at least, you know, say if you're sick and you have the flu or you have a stuffed up nose, if I have that, I can still... You know, I, I still know who Spider is. I still know who my mother and father are. I still know who my son is. I don't have to, to, to wonder, you know, about who are these people? Where am I at? I know where I'm at. I'm just miserable. I don't feel good. But I know where mm. I'm at. And to me, a person that, that has these hallucinations, that has these feelings and just this 
overall sense of consistent fear of 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 everything. You know, you're basically afraid of everything because I mean, you're hallucinating. You're you know, you're going through these things. Then you're taking all these drugs to kind of counteract it, but they're not really helping, and they're really only making matters worse. To me, that is the probably the worst thing that a person can go through. I would I would definitely have to say that, and you know, to have to go through that um, as a young lady, you know, she this is this is you know, she was the prime of her life. Um, mm. And if anybody, I, I've seen the pictures of her. She was a very beautiful young lady before. Um, the exorcism or, or before, you know, it, it, the, the disease kind of took a hold of her. And then after she just, it looked really bad and it's, it's just heartbreaking. It's a real heartbreaking story. And my, uh, my feelings go out to, to her, um, and, and to, to her family because it had to be hard to, to mm-hmm. see that. And, and they actually tried to, because, um, I believe one of the priests had said that her body was not decaying because of her willingness to suffer for the sins of um, the German youth. And so they tried to actually exhume her body. They tried to, you know, dig it back up, which to me is just mm-hmm. distasteful, in my opinion. I think that's a really distasteful thing to do. The person's, the person's gone. Why, you're, just, you're, you're digging up their, their, their body or their corpse just so you can look at it to, to confirm some religious belief you have. I think that's... Like I said, in one of the cases of abusing religion, to me, that is an abuse of religion. Let that person's uh, body rest, even though their their soul is not there anymore, or their their physical uh, uh, or their their soul isn't there in that body anymore. It's still to me a desecration, and it's a very a very very just horrible thing. Let that person go and and just concentrate on their memory. You know, um, work to make sure that this doesn't happen again. Um, the 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 uh, I believe the doctors at the trial had said that she could have been saved a week before, just a week. You know what I mean? Mm. It wasn't something that that she was gone after a certain point, but it was because of the feeding. It was because of the or not eating. It was because of the the just the the mental breakdown um, of it. And and honestly, I don't know if I, I don't know how it would have helped um, back then. Her living, I don't know what would have what would have happened from there. If they would have force fed her, then they would have put her um, in an asylum and locked her in there, and maybe had to have strapped mm-hmm. her to a bed or, you know, put her in such a big uh, comatose type of state with lithium and all sorts of those real mm-hmm. serious um, drugs that I, I don't know what kind of life she would have led if she hadn't passed on. And that's not to say that she should have. It's just to say, you know, I, I don't, I don't know how that would have turned out for the better. Mm-hmm. In either way, this just was a sad story, in all forms and fashions. So, you know, uh, the, the the gentleman here at this uncanny earth, you know, you know, uh, rest in peace for sure. So, mm. now we're gonna move on to something uh, even more serious. I know you folks are like, come on, we, we already, you already, you already hit us with the heaviness to begin with. <laughs> This one's a little bit different. This is this is a little bit different, um, and this is the trial of Arnie Cheyenne Johnson. Uh, Mr. Johnson was convicted of first-degree manslaughter for killing his landlord, Alan Bono, on November twenty-fourth, nineteen eighty-one. Now, are you thinking to yourself, guys, guys, guys? How? How? Well, funny you should ask. He gave the defense of he was demonically possessed. And so we're going to usher on in here to, to a crime. 
instead of the you know the the sadness of of a, of a person having to go through the the, the craziness of um, of that we're going to have to go through the the more criminal aspect of this. Um, so supposedly at the time, Arnie Johnson was living with 11 year old David Glatzel, and young David supposedly played host to the demon that forced Johnson to kill Bono. Now, Johnson moves into this home with his girlfriend and David's sister, Debbie Glatzel, in May of 1980. So we're setting the stage here. This is an 80s-style era, and everybody, Mm. you know, probably remembers the 80s. I remember bits and pieces. I'm sure Spider remembers um, bits and pieces of the 80s. I don't know what you remember, Spider. What are you? I think you're like five years younger than I am. Yeah, I spent most of my um, I I spent at least half of my childhood um, in the '80s, so I I remember quite a bit from the mid to late '80s. Um, Some of it was not pretty, (laughs) but uh, he's actually Arnie Johnson. Hey, hey, weird. Or he's David Glatzel. Yikes! I don't know. I didn't go around doing any. You know, mutilations or nothing, but uh I hope not. That'd be weird. <laughs> it would be weird. All of a sudden you're you're arrested and, and uh taken away and I'm like, Where's my co host? Like we arrested him. I'm like, Oh, he's not gonna be able to drink whiskey in prison. He's gonna have to make toilet whiskey or it's not that's, gonna be... that's pay whiskey. <laughs> that's pisky. <laughs> That's pisky. Hey, 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 hey. That's close. Hey. I, that was borderline. That was a borderline hey, joke. Hey, okay, come that. on now. Come on. You're going over the borderline. You just keep on <laughs> pushing this borderline. show over the borderline. All right? We At least we're on the same page with that song. We can't get sued for that, can we? Well, no, because we didn't, you know, we did very, I did a really terrible parody of it, and you just mentioned it. Okay, yeah, that's fine. So, you know, it's all right. Duck dodge that one. <laughs> You can't sue somebody for doing a terrible parody. No, no. You can no. sue somebody for doing a good parody and making money off of it, but not for doing a, a terrible parody. Good point, good point, good point. That was free, by the way. Actually, if they oh, sue yeah. us, our podcast would be even higher in the charts. They'd be like, "Did That's you right. hear those guys?" So, you know, if they're you doing bad s- parodies, if you want to sue us, then you know, go ahead. You won't get anything, and you won't win the case. Maybe we'll win the case. I don't know. You'll get forty uh, some t-shirts. <laughs> Here you go. Here's here's your. We'll give you we'll give you exclusive merch. <laughs> you can go on to facebook.com backslash the Sun Candy Media Network to get your shirts today. Cheap plug. Cheap Sorry. cheap plug. Now you notice I'm a little bit more lighter in this one because this one um, is is basically a a crime and it's not uh, it's not a crime of of passion. I, I don't know why I said that. I just wanted to say that. Um, but anyways, it back to good. back. Yeah, but sound it sounded like one of those uh, one of those eighties like made for TV movies, which I think this actually might have been one of those eighties made for TV movies. I know they wrote a book about it. Um, so, anyways, David starts to be tormented by a man with black eyes, a thin face, and jagged teeth, and he's labeled the Beast Man, who warned David to beware. Now, the Beast Man sounds like a small town monsters production. Mm-hmm. So that's that's pretty interesting. Um, now David continues to have these nightmares about the Beast Man, who swore to take David's soul, 
Scratches and bruises appear on David's body. Um, odd noises are heard in the attic. Arnie couldn't find a source for it. Uh, now, David was soon able to actually see this supposed beastman while he was awake. And he said that he appeared as a white-bearded old man with a flannel shirt and jeans. So, Paul Bunyan, ladies and gentlemen. Paul <laughs> Bunyan. I knew that guy was up to no good. Yeah, you and your blue and ox. <laughs> <laughs> Babe. <laughs> um, Unnatural. I, I know people are like, why are you laughing about this? It's so serious. Because the last one was so heavy that I'm kind of, I want to kind of break the break the mood, you know, make it make it a little bit easier right now. Because this case is between adults, so before you're like, oh, the kid, just listen, don't fret, don't play a fret, just listen. Right? Uh, so the Glatzel family soon turns to their church for help, as most folks do when there's possessions or, or demonic entities. A priest comes to the home and blesses it. That only seeks to tick off the beast man. And causes sounds in the attic to become louder. Now, David's vision in dream and reality increases. So he starts hissing. He speaks in multiple voices. And oddly enough, quotes the Milton poem, Paradise Lost. And I think I touched on that last week. I'm not sure. You have to go back and listen to the show to find out. Did I? Or didn't mm-hmm. I? And uh, qu- a quick, uh, wait, hold on, hold on, Spider. You may have, you're jumping you may have. On this. Quick note, we will be running a contest, okay? So pay attention to the words I speak because you never know what question I will ask for this contest. And your prize is going to be pretty cool. Okay, Spider, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to agree with you. I wasn't going to like, say something. Oh. Well, that was that was all built up for nothing. <laughs> I know. This, I was just like, hey, yeah, it's a cool. mess. Yep. You're a mess. As a human being, you are a mess. Well, you know, I make a pretty good what? bookcase. I don't know. You make a pretty good meatloaf. I'll give you that. I do. I do that. Well, I think... if I leave the the beer cheese out of it. Ah, oh, that's too bad. That's too bad. It was I... delicious. I think we're gonna do that this year, and then we'll live stream the meatloaf. We Are we gonna done... do one of those those what is it mock what is it where you sit down and you eat it? No, you sit down and you eat it and you, you film it and people watch. Yeah, let's do that. Muck by muck by or muck something. I don't remember what it's called, but yeah. Anybody out there? In... Citizen, when you want to watch us eat a meatloaf, it's probably pretty gross. But uh... <laughs> hey, so oh, I have been neglecting the chatteroonie over here, and much like the spinneroonie, um, so. Josie is in the chat room with us today. Josie, hello, as always. And big shouts out to Josie. She copped one of the awesome This Uncanny Earth t-shirts. Her -hmm. and Jason Link. So big ups to both of you. Um, She says, there is an energy I've always fed up my mom's house in the basement below her stairs. So whenever I spend the night, I must always have the light on till daytime. To me, it's similar to demonic possession or exorcism because of an entity who has passed on from living to non, and they're just trying to express their feelings to us human beings. Shake my head. Um, now, Josie, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but uh, Stir of Echoes, the Kevin Costner movie, the Kevin Costner movie, Kevin Bacon movie, not Kevin Costner, <laughs> not Kevin Too Costner. Too many Kevins up in here. Right. If you build it, he won't come. He's not going to show up. Um, 
<clears throat> so I wonder, depending on the, the history of the house, if there might not still be some remains in the house and the energy is still there, um, maybe under the concrete or whatever. I don't, I don't, I'll say, I know that she's probably like, oh, don't say that. Please don't say that. I will tear um, up this whole house now. She's going to straight pull a Kevin Bacon and just start digging the house. Her mom is going to be like, hey, what are you doing? She's like, I know there's something here. This and Kenny Earth, those guys, they said it. Thanks for the thanks for the 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 uh, the, pr- the promo work. I guess I don't know, but <laughs> but uh, you know, who knows what that is? You know, um, now Josie, if I'm not mistaken, I believe Josie's actually Filipino, so maybe it's it's some form of energy from you know that heritage, which would be very mm-hmm. interesting. We'll have to have you on sometime to talk about some of the. Uh, some of the um, the supernatural and kind of paranormal stuff from the Philippines. I would definitely like to hear about that stuff. And if I'm wrong and you're not Filipino, then I'm in a lot of trouble. So just let <laughs> you know that. Um, but I, I, I believe she is, yes. Uh, Draconis, I didn't forget about you either. Medications can take such a severe toll. My friend was prescribed a pill for hair loss and it made her suicidal. That does happen. She is not a depressed mm-hmm. person at all, and she literally cannot be left alone because she wanted to kill herself from a hair loss pill. She's 100% mm-hmm. better now that she's off of it. Now, that's fact. These these drugs, I mean, when people take them, you know, it, it has adverse effects because our physiology is all different. We don't have, not everybody has the same physiology. We have the same basic, like we all have a heart, lungs, kidney, liver, for the most part. We, we, we all pretty much have that for the most part. But the way our bodies interact with these different drugs and medications, um, for instance, my father, he uh, some this was some years back. Um, I, f- I forget what happened. I believe it was uh, some form of dental work, and uh, he couldn't take Vicodin because it would make him sick. So he had to get a prescription for something else because it it would make him sick because it just his his body didn't it rejected it, so to speak. Mm. So, you know, everybody, everybody, you know, has to do different things um, depending on, you know, there's people that can't take penicillin or uh, amoxicillin. They have to be treated with something else. Um, Now, Josie came back with uh, that her sister and her fiance feel the same. Big shout out to them. Tell them to, to, to listen to the show. Tell them to follow us here on Spreaker, Instagram, Facebook. I'm just cheap plugging us right and left because you know that's what I do. Um, and oof, she is Filipino. Thank God I'd wipe that big drop of sweat that was starting to form on my brow. You know, I was worried. Um, and Josie is a is a chef of sorts. Uh, she has some delicious lumpia. Did I say that right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm trying to get some of that ASAP. We're going to have to just fly out there. Uh, stop I'm, I'm trying to convince her to just invest in some dry ice and just ship it out. Cause I'll pay for shipping on that. 100%. Um, which would be fantastic. So yeah, definitely do that. Or we'll just, we'll just come out there. We got to come out there. Anyways, we got to go out there. There's a couple other folks. We want to, we want to see some of the cast of, uh, the evil down the street. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know about Elena though. I don't know if I want to see her. She might try to, she's going to prank <laughs> us. She is going to 100% prank us. I just know. We have enough time between now and then that we could probably come up with some, some pranks. Oh, wow. well, we'll def- we're definitely going to get her back. We can't just let her get away with it. <laughs> Come on now. Um, and, of course, Elizabeth Wittenberry. We're going to stop by and see her. Some good, some, just some good folks. 
maybe uh, see if we can dial up Craig Aarons and uh, David Espinoza. Um, and of course, maybe stop off in Utah and see Chelsea Yurkovitz. Uh, she's got like a million different things going on, like a million and one. And uh, we here at This in Kenya are definitely proud of her. She's actually going to star in a fantasy role involving Lemuria, which I was like, hey, that's pretty cool. That's right up this Uncanny Earth's alley. Um, mm-hmm. So that'll be neat. I- I'm excited to watch that. I, I definitely want to see their take on how that goes. Uh, Josie asked, when are you guys coming? I will show up at the get-together for sure. Uh, it's not set in stone yet. Once we get uh, the Patreon going um, and can get enough of your memberships, Going for that, we're going to make our way out there. But what we're going to do is, see, we're not just going to take the money and run, as uh, Steve Miller would say. We're going to invest it. So when we come out there, we're going to go to Haunted Locations, film it live, not Zach Baggins style, not disrespectfully. Um, I don't think Spider wants to be pushed down the stairs. <laughs> um, I'm, you know, I'm already fist fighting a Wendigo. I'm not, I don't want to fist fight some demonic I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you, better quit, you better quit playing with that Wendigo. I'm telling you, you keep calling I, him out. No, keep, I, okay. I am. Okay. I, one of these days, he's going to respond, and then it's going to be on, and we're just going to be like, it's, hey. It's not going to be pretty. Stuff. It's not going to be pretty. So we have a celebrity here tonight. James Goodvine is commenting. Mr. James Goodvine. He says, Lemuria. Nice. Yes, yes. Uh, I thought so, too. I was like, oh, there. That, it's a movie about Lemuria. Now, if that is just the place, the name of the place... Um, or if they're actually going to do some like, uh, um, I, I don't want to say historical because it's not real. Um, oh, hold on, Draconis. We're going to get back to the possessed little boy. Hold on. Um, see, we go off on these tangents. Uh, <laughs> or if it's going to be um, just not based off of the mythical tale of the Maria. So we'll see. Back to the uh, back to the possessed little boy, Draconis. All right, we're we're back to it now. We're right back at it. Edge um, of our seat. I mean, you got you can't just leave a story half done. Right, and this is this is where it gets good, because we have some famous folks that actually uh, play into this, and that would be Ed and Lorraine Warren. Yeah, the Glassholes mm-hmm. reach out to Ed and Lorraine Warren. Now the Warrens do decide to take a trip to Brookfield, and Lorraine reports seeing a black misty form next to the boy while Ed while Ed talks to him. Um, and then soon after that, David complains about being choked with red marks appearing on his neck. So we do have that. Now, together with four priests, the Warrens free David from 43 demons due to the rites of exorcism. And I'll get to that. I'll get to the rite of exorcism here in a bit. Um, being performed on David. The Diocese of Bridgeport says it did not investigate the Glatzel case. Now, during this exorcism, Arnie Johnson, uh, being Arnie Johnson, decides to taunt the demons, saying that he's big, bad, tough guy. They're not going to try to enter him. They know better. He's the toughest guy on the block. If you want beef, he's got the stakes to give you. Um, I don't think he said that. I'm just improvising. <laughs> the Warrens told Brookfield police to keep watch over Arnie. Now, by 1980, David was good. He was on his way to doing better than he than he previously was. Arnie, however, takes this drastic turn from good-natured person to something diabolical. Now, 
when I say good-natured person, he actually, Arnie was a great guy. He he bought his mother a car for $83 <laughs> because he didn't want her walking to work. $83, folks. $83. Mm-hmm. Which at the time was, you know, no yeah. small change. Not at all. Uh, so Arnie starts going into trances, growling. He sees the Beastman as well. And he would come out from the trance and not remember anything he did or saw. On February 16th, 1981, Arnie gets into an altercation with landlord Alan Bono after having one too many drinks. Upon returning to the kennel where they were all um, sort of volunteering for the day, Alan and Arnie get into a fight. Or get into more of an argument, really not so much a fight yet. Uh, This argument causes Arnie to stab Alan four or five times, creating an incision from his stomach to just below his heart. This, in turn, would cause Alan to die. Um, and Arnie, during the conversa- during the, the confrontation, was growling, was sort of going into a rage. Um, they tried to use this demonic possession defense that was actually refused by the judge. And so, in turn, Arnie was convicted on first-degree manslaughter charges and given 10 to 20 years. Now, Arnie only serves five, and goes on to marry David's sister, Debbie. Now, that's not where the story ends, folks. In 2006, the book detailing the events titled The Devil in Connecticut was re-released because it was previously released, and I, that, I said that totally wrong. Um, the Devil in Connecticut was released in 1983. It goes out of print. It's re-released in 2006. Now, this causes kind of a problem for David and Carl, who pretty much, you know, their lives were on the track to just was being normal. You know, people forget. Unless it's something serious, people have a, have a tendency to forget things. But this brings it all, this throws it all back together, especially with the Warrens being involved. This becomes a big thing. Mm. Um, now, the two brothers say that the possession story is actually a hoax that was concocted by the Warrens to exploit David's mental illness. Lorraine Warren and writer Gerald Brittle denies these claims, of course. Um, And then the lawsuit was settled out of court on February 16th, 2012. Oddly enough, 31 years after Alan Bono's death. Now, one thing that I would like to note that I found to be really interesting on the research I had done, there was never an exorcism performed on Arnie Johnson. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. So they went all this way and and said that it was demonic possession, all this other stuff, but nobody actually performed an exorcism. No, they did not. No, they did not. Only on the boy. Interesting stuff. Not on. Uh, not on Arnie Johnson. Okay, guys. So what we're gonna do right now is we are gonna pause for somewhat of a station identification where you can find us on social media. And podcasting platforms. Now, this is going to be the middle of the show kind of break, so to speak, just so that me and Spider can take a drink of water or kind of just, mm-hmm. you know, stretch out a little bit. Um, so, it, this is something I, I'm, I'm doing for the first time. So, bear with me. I'm going to do it now. So, hey, we'll see you back here in a minute. You know, where you can find us on all social media and podcasting platforms. Instagram.com backslash This Uncanny Media Network. Facebook.com backslash This Uncanny Earth. Twitter.com backslash 
This Uncanny, and LinkedIn as Robert Solomon. On podcasting platforms, we are available on iTunes and Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn, CastBox, Spotify, Pocket Casts, Overcast, Podcast Addict, Downcast, Acast, iCatcher, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and of course, Spreaker. Looking for some merch? Head on over to our Facebook page. Click the link there and that will take you where you can get your fresh, clean, all-white, this uncannier t-shirts. Perfect to rock whenever you're headed on your paranormal destinations. As always, folks, why be boring when you can be uncanny? And we're back. I hope you guys enjoyed that little intermission. Let me know if you did or didn't. If you hated it, too bad. It's permanent fixture from here on out. The rest of the show. <laughs> uh, but we're back. We we talked about uh, Arnie Johnson, and we talked about Annalise McHale, and they they all they both had exorcisms. Now, you're probably wondering what is an exorcism, and how is it performed? Well, I'm here to help you. Um, we spoke on Mesopotamia, which is Spider's favorite place, and all of his favorite mm-hmm. people live there. Lived there. They don't well, live yeah. there anymore. <laughs> I mean, the people that live there now are, are probably still all right. I mean, I don't know. I've, I don't know. I've never met them. He, he doesn't but, like. Uh, he doesn't like any of those people there now. If you're not Sumerian or Assyrian or Babylonian. He doesn't want nothing to do with you. You don't like nobody. Well, see, now, now I sound like I'm some kind of bad guy. Like, I don't like <laughs> all of those people over there. I'm not, no, come on. People are going to be like, spiders are racist? Oh, my goodness. Oh, man. Spider is no. not a racist, all right? No. He just doesn't, he doesn't like anybody, so it's fine. That's right. That is true. He's a, he, <laughs> he's like a misanthropist. He's a misanthropist. <laughs> Marilyn Manson? Marilyn Hanson? Man, I saw edited pictures that people made of those back in the day. They're pretty horrific. They are pretty horrific. I'd have to agree with you. Um, ancient exorcisms. The ex- now, ex- what an exorcism is is actually the expulsion or attempted expulsion of a supposed evil spirit from a person or place. Now, Craig's best friends, the Sumerians, believed that spirits mm-hmm. cause certain diseases. Now, these symptoms would be the way to tell if the person was actually possessed. Uh, And like I said earlier, the spirit enters through the patient's head. And it was also important to note the name of the entity. Because if they knew the name of the entity, it was easier for them to cure the patient. Uh, Now, depending on said entity or said ailment, things like rubbing one's head with milk and butter would cleanse the so-called disease of heaven. Um, now, the disease of heaven relating to uh, evil possessions, evil spirits. Now, the one thing that I thought was really fascinating, especially with the Assyrian exorcisms, is the first thing they would ask you is, what did you do? You know, um, In terms of, did you wrong somebody? Did you treat somebody mm-hmm. like trash? Because if you did that... You have to first go make amends there or in that regard before I can do anything. And so that was fascinating to me because it's just best saying, hey, goofball, don't be a goofball. Go apologize mm-hmm. and things will work themselves out. Now, of course, not everything worked out like that. And things such as pain in the abdomen, chest pain, radiating back pain were all thought to be attacks by demons. Now, to treat these, 
the uh, the doctor would kind of purify the patient with water. They'd wrap their head with a bandage and juniper leaves. And supposedly this would draw the demons out through the ear from whence they came. Uh, so, you know, very, very fascinating medical techniques. Mm. Um, and and it's, just, it's just fascinating, you know, things like the Assyrian exorcisms, they actually involved magical rituals, incantations, invocations of deities, uh, like the god Shamash. Did I pronounce that right? Mm-hmm. You know Shamash? Oh, yeah. Yep. There yep. it is. And he was the Mesopotamian sun god. Now, the now there's a tablet, and I'm going to try to pronounce it, and if I can't, Spider will, will jump in here and make sure I can. The Maklu? Yeah, that sounds about right. M-A-Q-L-U. I'm going to just say the Mac, the Maklu. Uh, and that meant, that was like a, it, it meant burning, or basically purification, you know, of, mm-hmm. the, of the evil spirit. And that was a tablet that depicted the actual ceremony of an exorcism. Um, and in, the, in that same ritual, the figure and the figure symbolizing the witch or the warlock or whoever it was that actually put the spell in there, the curse on the individual was burned. And what this would do is usually dispel the magic um, on the individual. So if a person placed a curse on you, they would just burn the figure of the person um, and then the curse would usually be lifted. Uh, and, and in certain cases of severe evil possession, um, different measures had to be taken. So we have, and this isn't the only country, um, uh, Hindus did it, um, I should say, this, it, it wasn't the only sort of religious um, exorcism, but Hindus, Buddhists, every culture has its own way of exorcising demons. Um, and, and some of the more modern day exorcisms um, in Christianity, now specifically Catholicism, because Catholicism was always like that big, the big exorcist kind of thing, as as seen in the movie The Exorcist. Um, mm. Like I said before, the priest ordered to perform the exorcism must go through the proper channels. Uh, he must go to confession. He must elicit an act of contrition, which is a prayer offering remorse for his sins. He must offer the holy sacrifice of mass, which, like I said before, is the bread and wine of Christ. Um... And he must implore God's help in other fervent prayers. Now, when this happens, when the exorcist itself or the exorcism itself takes place, the priest covers himself in a surplus and a purple stole. Now, that's just what you see the 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 vestments. So, and when you see the exorcist, what mm. the priest wore, the the his wear, like a scarf almost. Yeah, yeah. The stole is a scarf, and then the surplice is like the the rest of the outfit. And then the robes and everything else, um, and then they bind the person if there is going to be a danger to themselves or uh, the exorcist performing the ritual. He traces the sign of the cross on him, the bystanders, and then sprinkles everyone with holy water himself and then the bystanders. He then kneels and says the litany of the saints. Now, I was actually going to repeat the litany of the saints here, but that thing was like three pages long. So I wasn't going to do that. It's basically a prayer invoking the saints. And then there's some other prayers that follow it that he speaks. Um, A a good portion of the exorcism itself is prayers and um, biblical verses from, from, of course, the Bible, like Mark 16, 15 through 25. Um, And then as he's saying the prayers, everyone that is present is to make a response to some of the prayers that are said, like the litany of the saints. 
Uh, he then commands the demon that is actually possessing the individual to say its name by a sign or speech and then commands the demon to obey him in Jesus Christ's name. Now, <clears throat> he, also be, he also will make the sign of the cross over himself and the possessed. He places the end of the stole on the possessed neck and puts his right hand on the head and speaks a series of phrases to drive the demon out. A series of canticles, phrases, and more are spoken with confidence. So you have to believe in it. It can't just be you. It can't be like, can you can you get out, please? Mm-hmm. Can you get out? You have to actually affirm it. Get out. You got to you got to drive it out. Um, get off my lawn. Right. That's Spider exercising his lawn. He doesn't exercise <laughs> on the lawn though. Um, yeah, not very often. No. It may take days, weeks, or months of consistent prayer and exorcisms to actually push the demons out. And as we've seen in different cases, there could be many demons. Um, David supposedly had 43. Now, I kind of want to backtrack a bit because we didn't really get to talk about it. Spider, what do you think of that case as a whole? Do you think the boy had the the demons inside of him? Do you think that Arnie... um, because to me, I and and what I think is, I think Arnie had too much to drink, and emotions ran high. But like I said, you know, he he did push um, mm-hmm. the demons during the exorcism, and there's a chance the demon jumped from one body to the next. Where do you sit on the whole Arnie Johnson, the devil made me do it case? I mean, there is the chance. There's always a chance, I suppose. Um, I think, though, because he'd gone for a while and been pretty much okay, right? He'd gone for a little while and been all right. And well, then, they noticed that uh, he had okay. changes in his behavior, like I said. They noticed, like, mm-hmm. the subtle, he was growling. He was kind of being more prone to fits of rage and anger. Mm-hmm. It's tough to say because, on the one hand, some of it is kind of textbook for how people describe demonic possession. On another hand, it's uh, he had been drinking a lot, and some people get kind of like... Really not right in the head with some uh, with a little bit of alcohol. Um, I know people who've said, "Oh, I can't drink whiskey because whiskey makes me angry and wants to fight people." I'm just like, "All right, well, there's a reason why spirits are called spirits sometimes mm-hmm. because they possess you and they get in you." Not everybody. I mean, some people can can drink things easier than other people, and other people just they they shouldn't. And some people do recognize that they can't, so they don't, and they stay sober. And it's awesome for those folks out there. Shout out to all you people who. Uh, who have to stay sober and you know you have to and you're doing your best and um there's other people who you know it it doesn't really do much other than you know loosen them up have a good time but um the other thing to remember too is one person's good time is another person's disaster so uh, it's difficult i i tend to think that if there was some kind of thing that happened with the child i find that to be a little bit more believable than i do it having jumped into him but again, I don't know how often alcohol might have been involved when he was growling and having his personality changes. Maybe the experience with the child led him to alcoholism and changed his behavior because of that. Um, and uh, and the Warrens being involved were – the Warrens are kind of contentious. I, I don't want to speak bad about them or anything like that. But they've been kind of involved in a lot of different things, and there's been a lot of back and forth in some things. Like, all right, yeah, they really helped. And other things were obviously they're out for a bunch of money and things like that. And it's hard to say really where those things were. I, I mean, I think they were legitimately trying to help people. 
but I don't know. I didn't know them personally. I'm mm-hmm. not directly involved with most of these cases. So it's kind of a toss-up. I mean, I tend to think that maybe the, the guy, the stress of everything led him into an alcohol problem. And I think that's what changed his personality. And then maybe he saw how the kid acted and kind of took on that persona mm-hmm. um, after the kid. Yeah, because honestly, um, it, it is, it's a tough call. It really is a, a tough call on this one. And, and these two cases, I think to me, um, aren't, aren't cases of demonic possession. If, if one more so than the other was, it would be the Annalise case. Um, mm-hmm. But even then, the mixture with the chemicals and the mixture with, uh, um, you know, her, her, her TLE, I think that really brought about her, her, her condition, so to speak. And so to me, that um, those two cases... Um, are just I, I don't think they're demonic possession. I think that it's just you know in in the case of Annalise it was the the chemical cocktails in her brain, and hmm. in the case of Arnie Johnson I think it was a dispute. Um, it led to a fight. The fight led to somebody getting stabbed and and killed, and uh, and and that's that. Because if you notice, after that point. You never hear anything about Arnie Johnson again. He even marries David's sister, you know. And and so because there wasn't an exorcist performed that we know of, it mm-hmm. leads me to think: well, the demon didn't just dip out after after he killed the guy, right? Um, mm. and, and that's that's a red flag for me, you know. Now we're gonna have, uh, like I said, James Creech bomb on on the twenty second of August. So mark your calendars for that. I'm really looking forward to having him on. Um, and he's gonna he's gonna tell us I think um, a couple of things I don't want to put it out there because I don't know if he is or isn't I don't want to um, put mm. anything like that out there without verification and because because I believe that man has seen some things I don't I don't uh, I don't doubt it you know what I mean because he's been in that field mm-hmm. and, and he helps people with with their paranormal issues so I think having somebody on that's actually been there for these types of things is gonna um, really help uh, validate that sort of rare occurrence of demonic possession, because like, like a lot of people say, I think nine times out of 10, it is definitely a mental illness and it's the, the mm. drugs they're giving the person with the mental illness or the mental illness is running unchecked and that's causing that. I don't think it's demonic possession for that other one time out of 10. I do think it's demonic possession. And the thing too is demonic possession isn't always just, this sort of wild and crazed behavior. Um, I think alcoholism, you know, when you mm. drink too much and you and you hurt your family or you hit people and you hurt people, I think that is a form of demonic possession. And like Mr. Um, Arnie here, he might have had that form, like you said, spirits, because mm. maybe he was possessed. So in a way, um, he was demonically possessed, but not in the way of a demon actually like... Um, mm. Not so much exerting control. I think Arnie knew what he was doing, um, and and no, we don't know what was going on in like his personal personal life. We don't know if they were struggling to pay bills, or if he had some kind of issue with something that was going on with the landlord. Like something wasn't being done. Mm-hmm. Maybe like a sink overflowed and flooded the place or damaged something. So we don't know the aspects of that. Um, but to me, you know, just doing too much. You know, you there's there's spirits of of different at least the native american beliefs everything was pretty much a spirit 
for the most part. Shintoism kind of echoes that as well. So I think when you have things like drug abuse or you have things like alcoholism, heroin addiction, it's a form of demonic possession because you're letting this thing rule over you. Mm. Um, but I don't think it's it's not in the sense of like, okay, there's an actual um, physical demon inside of that person and it's just driving them crazy and they're, they're writhing on the floor and they're um, swearing and they're talking in Latin. This is more of a... Of a of a social demon, I almost want to say that that kind of um, hampers them from. See, it's. I feel like I'm running in circles on this one, just because mm. I know people are like, "Well, doesn't that mean they're demonically possessed?" In a different way, I just, I just leave it at that. It just, it just seems easier to explain it that way. I know folks are like, "I'm never listening to this one again." <laughs> That's okay. As long as I listen to it once, so. But yeah, and, and, and honestly, um, a lot of the skepticism is the mental illness factor, having things, having afflictions like TLE, and then the, the, the drugs are taken to combat it, but then the brain sort of reformats itself and starts acting strangely, and then the person, um, by proxy, acts strange, and it's just a mess. It is really just a mess, so... You know, that's that's our or that's my two cents on it. Spider as a whole, what do you think of demonic possession as a whole? Um, well I like to be open to a lot of different things. I mean, there's a lot of things about the world obviously that, that I don't know for sure, that I don't quite understand. So I like to make sure that I'm open to um to all possibilities. And uh I tend to think less that that most things that are assumed to be possession are probably less possession and more mental illness and a variety of other things first. Um, but I don't discount the fact that there are sometimes that something does get into somebody's head because there are a lot of times when perfectly well-adjusted people who don't have any issues, don't have gambling problems, don't have addiction problems, don't, you know, they don't have anything that can be pointed to after the fact and they just snap and they just turn into somebody else. They start getting withdrawn. They start, you know, and maybe some event that they saw on TV or on the internet or whatever hit them really hard and they never told anybody. It. And you can't find that in an autopsy after the fact. But um, I don't know. I, I can't say for sure that everything is the way that uh, the way that I believe it is. So I'm open to the possibility. Um, at the same time, like I said, I, I nine out of ten times I think most things are going to be um, are going to be mental illness. Well, there it is. So we had a great discussion um, on demonic possession and exorcism, at least in my opinion. Feel free to let us know in the comments. Uh, what do you think in the comments? Do you folks, you know, James, Draconis, Josie, anybody that's out there that hasn't commented yet, if Elizabeth's listening or Elaine or anybody else that's listening right now, where do you sit on demonic possession? Yay or nay? I know some folks probably are, you know, 100% yeah. Some folks are probably 0%. Yeah, they're just like, nah, it's not real. It doesn't exist. Mm. Those people are, are mentally ill, and that's just the end of it. Let us know what you think in the comments, because I'll, I'll, I'll definitely, uh, like I have been doing, interact with you folks and, and let you know, uh, or let the, the listeners out there know. Um, other than that, let's jump into some of the fantastic pop culture regarding demonic possession and exorcism. And I'm going to let Spider go ahead and take the reins on this first one. Uh, well, obviously the first, um, the most famous example of something in pop culture involving uh, demonic possession would of course be the film, The Exorcist. 
a film that many people have said legitimately frightened them when they were younger, uh, even as adults. And um, it even it, it frightened people in um, in theaters, I believe. Like there were stories of many people who walked out of theaters because it was so frightening and it, it just bothered them so much when it debuted. It's still considered supposedly one of the most frightening films ever created. Now, these days, we're all kind of like, eh, well, the pea soup and all that other kind of stuff. I don't know about all that. But, you know, think about the times and, and think about if something like that really happened rather than, you know, just seeing the, the effects being weird. And just think about whether you'd be really kind of freaked out. Because I'd be kind of like, oh, man. Uh, you didn't even have pea soup. That's weird. <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> so that's the first and most obvious uh, example, I think, for anybody who wants to see. I, I guess the it sets the stage for every other exorcism-related exorcism um, uh, piece of media after that. So if you want to see the, the pinnacle of the phenomenon, then uh, there you go. The Exorcist, and was it ever redone, or is has it only been that one movie ever since? It's been. That I think one, it had some sequels, but it, there's like but, um, I think five or six sequels. Uh, I think I saw one other. The Exorcist actually absolutely frightened me as a child. I saw it when I was a kid, when I shouldn't have seen it. It was I don't I don't remember where I saw it, but I was a kid, and I'm like it was the most terrifying movie of all time between that and Children of the Corn back then. Now it's just slightly uncomfortable to me. I'm just like, uh, mm. you know, because some things happen with the crucifix and she's just a foul mouthed little girl. And I'm just like, mm. this, this is more, you're doing this more for shock value than actual horror at this point. And I, the other one I saw was newer and I don't remember much about it. I don't think it was that good. Um, so I, I just kind of wrote it off. Uh, now the next movie that I'm going to, the, 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 not the next, but the movie I'm going to talk about, I actually do find kind of scary, and that's uh, The Old Paranormal Activity. All, one, two, three, four, five, six, there's six movies in total, with my favorite being the very first one, um, and then followed that up with the, um, the Japanese one. So there's, there's actually a, a, a Japanese Paranormal Activity, it's a fantastic. It's it's made by um, I'm trying to remember the director. It wasn't made by um, by the by the director of the of the very first one. Um, I think Oren Pell was the name of the very f was the director of the first one. Yeah, Oren Pelly. My fault. Um, it was by and I'm I'm drawing a blank here because I know he's he he does horror in Japan. Um, let me see here. I'm trying to. I'm going to look it up real quick. But what I liked about these movies is that it actually did really well in terms of just like trying to sort of scare folks um, without actually seeing the the entity itself until much later in the series. Um, <clears throat> you know, it had like your typical jump scares, uh, your kind of weird vibe. And the first one I really liked. I really enjoyed the first one. The second, third, and fourth... I don't remember, like, I, I get those confused because I haven't seen those as many times. Decent films. Um, now, Paranormal Activity 2, Tokyo Night. So it, it takes place during um, the actual uh, second one, <clears throat> which, like I said, it, it's really good. I, I liked that one um, 
it, it, it even has like kind of the, if you look at the, the, the cover box of it, um, it actually has like that Japanese aesthetic when it comes to horror movies, like the, the shock, because Japanese um, horror films rely more on the emotions uh, more so than your just typical jump scares. It's more of like an eerie kind of like it just comes on feeling like in Juon, like I've said numerous times. I think I've mentioned that movie as much as Castlevania. I think I've mentioned that mm. probably as much as being one of my favorites. But it was directed by Toshikazu Nagae. And um, fantastic movie. I definitely recommend seeing that one. I would watch them in order. Uh, and then I also liked the... I believe it was the marked ones, I think. I don't cuz Ghost Dimension was the very last one. And it it kind of left a lot of things open for a seventh movie, but the seventh movie never materialized. Mm. But the marked ones was really cool cuz it it touched a little bit on uh, Santa Muerte and it did a lot of um <clears throat> a lot of more like uh Hispanic origin sort of like Catholicism roots. Which I found to be kind of fascinating, and it was it was pretty scary actually. That was actually pretty scary. I, I liked it. It was a good horror movie. So I definitely recommend going and seeing, or not going and seeing, but you know wherever you watch your your movies from, if you rent them from Blockbuster. Wait, is Blockbuster still around? <laughs> there's one. I, I mean, there's. Some, I got some news for you. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, you you have. Um, the Paranormal Activity series, it's good stuff. It's uh, it's it's a phenomenon. It was a phenomenon, not so much now. It kind of ran its course. It became the Saul series, you know, like all these, the movie just comes out like you're on the eighth movie and then they have to re, uh, um, uh, what do they call that? Where they bring out the series again, reboot it. Yeah, I think they rebooted it. I don't know. The first two Saw movies are about as far as I got. Torture porn for me just doesn't do it, which is what they call it, basically. Torture porn just doesn't really do it. Like, you're just doing it for shock value at that point. Mm. Um, but yeah, Paranormal Activity, uh, Paranormal Activity, The Marked Ones, and Paranormal Activity 2, Tokyo Night. Check those out if you're looking for a good scare, in my opinion, of course. Mm. Now, of course, there's other uh, there's other films that deal with uh, possession in either serious or in kind of silly fashion. Continuing along the lines of horror movies where there's possession that uh, kind of crosses the borderline between being gross out factor and being kind of silly, you have the Evil Dead films. Oh, yeah. Um, I like the originals, uh, even though one and two are pretty much the same movie, just retold with a bigger budget on the second one. Um, and Army of Darkness is just... It's less a, a possession movie and more just hilarious because it was a product of the eighties. But uh, Evil Dead one and two and um, and the remake. I have not seen the remake, but I didn't yeah, really hear remake, that it was anything yeah. special. Um, it was just a lot more gory and things, which is something that Evil Dead is known for. But the original movies star the most popular B movie actor of all time, Mister Bruce Campbell. So if anybody is a fan of Mr. Bruce Campbell, this is some of his earliest films. And uh, they're, um, they're Sam Raimi films. Or oh, yeah. Ted Raimi. I don't remember which one of the Sam. Raimi brothers. Sam, I think. Sam. Um, but uh, they, the first Evil Dead dealt with the Necronomicon in a cabin in the woods. A group of, of vacationers go out there, Bruce Campbell being one of them. And uh, in the basement of this cabin, they find 
the Necronomicon and a tape deck with a, a tape that includes notes by a professor who's been studying the book. And uh, they read the words from the book and they cause something to appear out in the woods that slowly possesses each and every one of them one by one <clears throat> until they're all pretty much dead except for Bruce Campbell. And uh, there's a lot of like kind of crazy stuff that goes on there. Like some of them, there, there's a scene where it possesses a tree and the tree does some really not particularly uh, child friendly things to one of the ladies in the movie. So if you're kind of squeamish about things like that, and you're kind of like, that's just weird and bizarre and gross. Why would I watch this movie? Then it might not be for you. But um, if you're looking for a classic schlock kind of horror movie that deals with possession, The Evil Dead 1 and 2 cannot be passed up. Uh, Army of Darkness for me, especially when he's like, Klaatu, Rada. <laughs> Army of Darkness is in the class of its own. It's not really a possession movie, no. but it's a great movie. It's a comedy uh, to me. It's more of a comedy. Than it's a lot. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's a lot more of a comedy. So if anybody wants to see something that's not just for shock value, it has a couple scenes that are reminiscent of the first two movies, just to keep them connected. But it's 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 in entirely its own category. And right. if you're just looking to laugh and just have a hilarious, awesome movie, and I have a lot of one liners because that's the movie where really he was uh, nickel necktie. <laughs> he's like i said it all right i said it okay he goes hail to the king baby hail to the king nana nana boo boo nana nana boo boo shoes. good movie i could quote that movie like all day me too, long me too good it's good slapstick humor too and on that part that's one of my favorite parts of the part where the skeletons are poking him in the eye oh man mm-hmm. it, it's it's gut busting humor in my opinion so there were actually two uh, two games for the original mm-hmm. Xbox sure, that were and created the from the Evil Dead series. And the Dreamcast. They were based on the tone from Army of Darkness and even connected because after Army of Darkness, they, they dream, the games kind of come afterwards. But um, good, solid games. I never really played the second one. I had it, and I still have it upstairs. And if my old Xbox would work, I could probably play it, but I've never actually played it. It's still even in the plastic because I just... I, by the time I got around to playing it, I had a new system. It wasn't backwards compatible, and I just kind of moved on. But um, but the first one was funny. It was hard, difficult, really difficult, but uh, pretty good game. Uh, back to back to the comments here. Um, so we have Josie saying, and on the conversation on the topic of, do you believe it or not? Yay! Because I truly believe in a negative spirit taking over whether a person's body or his or her feelings. Um, newcomer, I don't know who this is, a Mr. Weakost Jones says, actually, one of the reasons The Exorcist was such a scary film was a certain type of fear-inducing tactic that they used and they have since... And, oh, they used and has since become illegal to use in movies. Supposedly some, Interesting. some subliminal advertising was also used in that movie, which probably helped. Hmm. Um... James Goodvine says, I believe it's real. I've never been possessed, but I had an experience where I was walking home and I felt the most malicious presence I've ever felt in my life. This was beyond a feeling of being watched or followed. I felt like I was being stalked and hunted by this entity. That's a definite horrible feeling for sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then uh, Mr. Jones says, Exorcist, those sausage fingers are killing me. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Um, now, to go back to the topic at hand, to talk about video games, we have I, I have two that I would really like to play 
but uh, I don't know. I, I might be kind of a fraidy cat on these. Uh, both for the PlayStation VR. Um, the first is called The Exorcist Legion VR. This is a virtual reality game for the PC and PS4. So you need, the, I believe, the PS4. I believe it's the Move. And then PC, I think, the Oculus or the HTC. You can use either of those. Um, and this is a story of a detective that is a, uh, he, he's a Boston homicide detective who is investigating a, ritual, a ritualistic murder of a local priest. You battle demons like Baal and the famed exorcist demon, Pazazu. Uh, Pazuzu, whatever. Um, and you can use several trademarked items from the exorcist, such as the cross um, and a couple other different things. The game runs five chapters for $6.99 a piece, or you can buy the whole series for $29.99, $14.99 for the summer sale. Now, I watched a couple of uh, Let's Plays on this one just to see where my head would be at, and man, it looks terrifying. It, remi- it has the same ambiance as a, uh, a classic horror game that I really enjoy, um, and it's on the tip of my, my tongue. Um, Condemned. And I don't know if... if Spiders played the first Condemned. The first Condemned is a fantastic horror game. Mm-hmm. Easily just like scares you half to death. Like it's so good because you hear voices, you hear movement. Um, it's not so much. It's not about really demonic possession as much as it's about like a force, an evil force that has uh, basically caused the criminals and the crazies of the city to kind of unite and become crazy like as a one unit. And so you have to go through all these abandoned places or like places that are closed for the night. You have subways, you have an abandoned mm. high school. Um, I forget. There's like a, there's another one too, just like out in the streets and stuff. And it's really creepy. You have a bunch of like hobos and bums that kind of just run at you with pipes and you got to make do with whatever weapons you have. Very, very good horror game. It'll definitely scary. It's good to play with the headphones on kind of like dead mm-hmm. space, which is kind of in its own right of possession um, since the necromorphs are basically possessing people with, like, you know what I mean? Like they're possessing them with the markers. So that's, that's a, that's a good, uh, a good one. Um, and also the suffering, which I wanted to mention too, is a classic. I had it for Xbox, but I think it was for PS2 as well. But, uh, it be, you're basically a prisoner and this demon inhabits your body. And so at times you can just kind of rage out in this demonic form and go off and just start killing all these enemies and you fight other demons you fight the the more uh sort of evil criminals because you're not uh, you're in there for murder but you still love your family it, it kind of makes it like an anti-hero story but it was amazing i i loved it like it was a really really good title for the xbox i still have it upstairs actually i, I really enjoyed it so um the suffering condemned and exorcist legion vr and once Spider's done with his, I'll I'll give you folks another one. So Spider, take it away. Um, I had something that I was gonna pick, and it was right on the edge. And then, I, oh yeah, here it goes. Um, things like uh, demonic possession aren't just limited to uh, to classic horror movies and things like that. They're also on some television shows that you might not expect. Um, and they're they're played slightly different. Like in the, we're gonna go all the way back to the original series of Star Trek with William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy. And there was an episode and I don't remember what the episode is called, but I remember they're on a particular, they're on a space station or on a planet or something. And there's a, there's somebody who's been accused of a murder of a diplomat or something like that. 
And uh, it ends up that whatever's been pos- that what happened was the the person was possessed by this alien entity, but they don't really call it an ent- an alien. They they keep calling it a demon, a demonic possession, and it jumps from person to person. And, and is violent and is trying to escape the planet, things like that. So for a different perspective on the whole possession uh, entertainment thing, it's a good episode. I don't remember the name, but based on the description that I told you, you should be able to find it pretty easily online. Um, but going on from there, um, there's also some other things that you can watch. Like, uh, let's take a look at the list here. Uh, another kind of over-the-top schlocky kind of movie that deals with demonic possession in kind of a, a crazy Evil Dead-esque kind of way is the first Tales from the Crypt movie from 1995, Demon Knight, um, which I'm not going to say this is a great movie, but it was entertaining. It was uh, it was entertaining for what it was. Uh, there's a I'm going to give you a quick rundown here. There's a man who's on the run from uh, from a demon who's played by Billy Zane. The man on the run is played by William Sadler. And um, he has an ancient key that holds the blood of Jesus Christ and keeps demons in their hellish place of residence. And of course, Billy Zane as the demonic entity wants to steal it. So he traps this man and a bunch of other people in a hotel in the middle of nowhere and uh, assaults the place with people who are possessed by demons and then slowly possesses each and every person within the hotel until there's only one person left. So, interesting stuff. Um, ending was kind of, eh, you know, but um, not the worst movie I've ever seen. It was, if anybody has has ever seen the old Tales from the Crypt show, you know the show got just, you know, bizarre and zany and just went for for gross out and scare factor stuff sometimes. But um, but it was an entertaining enough movie. It's not the most accurate look at Demon Possession, of course, but, um, but Billy Zane puts on a pretty good performance. Sometimes it is way, way over the top. <laughs> like there's a scene where he uses fire in a particularly risque sort of fashion. And that's the most I'm going to say about that because kids might be listening. But uh, for you adults out there, it was pretty crazy. <laughs> um, now, I, uh, I I wasn't really a fan of the TV show or the, the movie. It was just kind of eh. There was two, actually, two of those movies. There's actually two Tales from the Crypt movies. Um, what I was a fan of was the actual comic book, which I have a couple issues of. And that was cool. The stories in that one reminded me of uh, of Creepshow with Stephen King, which was fantastic. Um, uh, those two were, were, were classics. I, I just never got into the TV show because I remember HBO had it on. Because hmm. um, I would watch that and then I would watch Tales from the Dark Side which is also kind of like a horror-style show. Um, and the only show about that I remember is, like, it was some vampires, and they had, like, a, a hot tub. or I forget what it was. Like either vampires or cannibals. And, like, they invited people over, and they'd all hang out in the hot tub, and then they were, like, when they when the people weren't looking, they would throw, like, vegetables in it, so they would cook them in this hot tub, and it would get hotter and hotter, and they would eat them. Really weird. Um not really has anything to do with the topic tonight. I just wanted to bring that up because I had the memory of it. So yeah, that was definitely a little weird. Um, another, uh, I don't know if you would essentially call it um, demonic possession, but more I don't know the the hero Spawn. Um, 
has, uh, I don't know if he's actually a demon or he's not really demonically possessed, but he kind of sells his soul to the devil to come back mm-hmm. to, to save his wife Wanda because he wants to help her and he dies in a, in a, like a horrible way because he's an ex-soldier um, or mm-hmm. ex-mercenary and he has done all these crazy killings, all these heinous things. So he's sentenced to go to hell, obviously. But uh, he, he kind of pleads with Malbolgia, who I think is the who's supposed to be the devil or like one of the devils, one of the demons, and then is sent back to earth um to sort of exact revenge so to speak for his death and kind of like protect wanda and there's a whole couple whole things that happen he becomes god and then he gets rid of god and the devil and it's 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 kind of a weird thing and the first movie was cool the cartoon's better uh and but what really makes me sad is the fact that jamie fox is playing spawn because Mm. that's the person who should not be playing spawn at all i would rather see uh um, Michael Ja White play him because that's who should play him but you know that's not for here or there uh, James Goodvine says remember the movie Fallen with Denzel Washington and John Goodman I've heard of it I have not seen it Spider have you seen that movie The Fallen? I believe I did although it's been a while I, I don't recall like a lot of the details about it I've seen so many things when I was younger that I don't remember half of them um, but I do remember them being in that movie together although again I probably couldn't quote you much on it. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. So we're kind of winding down to the last fifteen minutes. We're gonna probably talk about a couple more things, pop culture esque. I didn't. I didn't really think of any books this time around. I can't really. I mean, The Exorcist has a book. Um, I'm hmm. not going to read it. But if you want to read it, um, <laughs> I, w- I would actually say. Um, and, and this is crazy, but I'm just gonna say it. The Bible is a good place. Um, any of your religious texts that speak on exorcism is going to be a, a good place to start to get kind of um, to get kind of up to speed on that. That's really kind of it for that. Books just kind of. There's a what you got? What you got? There's a series. Now that I think about it, I need to look at my shelf over here if I can stretch my headphones all the way over there. You're going to hear me getting a little distant here. Man, I don't know if I have stuff by this author on the shelf here or not. Um, I don't think I do. I think most of what I had from him might have been digital. Um, there's a series. Uh, oh, by Peter Peter F. Hamilton. Peter F. Hamilton. Let me take a quick look and look up what the series is called to make sure I've got the right one. Um, because this one got it got into possession in a weird kind of way. Um, let's see here. Okay, here he is. Here's his Wikipedia. Let me just take a quick look on it. Um, and, uh, I don't remember if it was the Void Trilogy or the Night's Dawn Trilogy. I think it might have been the Night's Dawn Trilogy, maybe. But, um, but he has a series of books out where, um... And I don't remember how it happened. It's been so long since I read the book. But um, there's some kind of a an entity on a planet that's, that's been locked away on this planet for, for years and years and years. And some kind of science experiment wakes him up, gets him free, and he's able to possess people. So he possesses somebody from a fringe religion, um, like a cult basically, leads a big cult uprising and things like that and they start taking over the galaxy 
And uh, the big thing about it is he's able to open up this portal that brings the souls of the dead back to possess living people. And um, when they do that, they make the person that they're possessing, it's almost like a holographic effect. It makes it look like the, the original person when they were alive. But the people that got brought back are not good people. They're all the most evil, heinous, terrible people you can imagine. And one of the people who comes back who ends up being like the the space warlord is Al Capone. <laughs> and it's crazy. Like he has a faction. There's somebody who comes back as Hitler. Hitler has a faction. And all these terrible like leaders from history come back and they lead all these thugs and things like that. And it's kind of like legions of demonic possession, just about, in set in space with starships and space stations and things. It's it's a crazy, 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 crazy series. It went a lot of weird directions. Um, I, I'm on the fence about whether it was really like good or not because it just got kind of like, oh, man, that's weird. I don't know. But I read the whole thing and I liked it. And I wish I would remember which one of the series it was, um, if it was the one or the other. But um, let me do a quick look up and I'll be able to tell you guys um, – which one it was real quick if anybody wants a good gamecube game to play about demonic possession you can play the game geist geist it was for the nintendo gamecube and basically you um uh it's been a while since i played it just as long as probably Mm. since he's read it um but basically you can inhabit different bodies and, and do different things with them and use them to do um, all sorts of kind of crazy stuff. Uh, shoot people, do, you know, do kind of like, you know, you can possess people, animals, and even inanimate objects. You can do all that. So Geist on GameCube, I recommend it as like a, a game bite if you're interested in just kind of playing something. Just to see how it turns out, I recommend it. Go ahead, Spider. I figure you've had enough time to figure this thing out now. The Night's Dawn Trilogy. It's uh, it's three books, um, the reality dysfunction, the neutronium alchemist, and the naked god. And um, uh, apparently, part of the story too is that this thing with these spirits coming back has happened before in the past, and it annihilated civilization in the past. And so they locked away the secret how to do that. So the the people of this modern age have to figure out what that secret was and end a cycle of of possessed people coming back and then running the galaxy into the ground basically so really interesting story went all kinds of different ways uh peter f hamilton the night's dawn trilogy nice nice yeah because i I can't i've I've read so many books and i can't for the life of me think of um uh one where it was it was more about possession than anything else um Mm. i'm kind of like i said i'm basically drawing a blank on 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 uh, on that and i'm sure like as soon as we get done with, with the with the podcast i'll go upstairs and be like uh that book and then i'll remember mm-hmm. it because i keep thinking of uh the keep but that's not about demonic possession which i do recommend um by f paul thompson fantastic fan well, i think it's f let me see f they're like f paul wilson sorry i had the thompson <laughs> but uh but the keep that's like a quick. I don't even know why that I said that because it's not even part of the show tonight. See, that's what we do. We go off on tangents and we go crazy. Um, 
Monkey Ball. Oh, uh, Josie said she likes Monkey Ball for the GameCube. And that's basically where you're mm-hmm. a monkey in a ball and you kind of roll around and, and do you do all kinds of like... It, it reminds me of Marble Madness, if anybody's ever played the Marble Madness game. So we're about down to uh, our last uh, few minutes here. Uh, what are some of your closing thoughts on exorcism and demonic possession, Spider? Um, like I said, I, I'm open to the possibility of it existing. I I think still that someday we're going to come up with the right way to investigate that, that whatever entities might be out there in the universe that might be capable of doing this kind of thing, if they're out there and they're doing this thing, I think eventually we will be able to prove them scientifically. Whether we will want to or not is a whole other issue but i think it's going to be possible to find out whether it is or isn't and whether or not it's really just mental illness or what the deal is but um i tend to lean more in the direction there are things that we just don't know and we can't definitively explain and people do sometimes change overnight without any discernible triggers or any discernible uh, changes in in their normal habits they just become different people and we don't know why and that could be why maybe there's something affecting them um I know there's a lot of energies in the universe. You and I have had a lot of discussions about uh, energies and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that can affect a person. And it's possible that these energies might uh, might have more to them than just being faceless, um, just non-sentient things. They could, be, they could be beings. They could be alien beings or they could be demonic beings. Hard to say. But uh, I am open to the possibility, although I have yet to really say for sure that I would say it's 100% truth. Uh, I lean into the, uh, the, the most of the time it is more chemical equator, um, chemical issues going on inside the person's brain more so than it is demonic possession or they want a form of attention. Um, I don't necessarily believe everything is demonic possession. I do believe there are certain things, certain people you know, like your Hitlers or your um, Jim Jones, those folks I do believe are demonically possessed and not in the same way that Linda Blair was in The Exorcist. More in a, I just want everybody to die and cause as much chaos and and uh, harm as I can. And some people think that that's actually a demon itself, that it isn't actually a human being. That's actually a demon just in, in a flesh suit. So, and when it comes to demonic possession, I would say, like I said before, I think 9 out of 10 of them aren't real. But I think that 1 out of 10, because you can't explain everything. You know, you can't sit down and say, well, I have an answer for this, this, and this. Because you're not always going to have an answer for this, this, and this. You might have an answer for one thing, but then another part of the equation pops up and you can't answer that. There's nothing, you know, you can't, uh, you can't, you can't just uh, explain it away. And so to me, like I said, I think me and Spider are pretty much in agreement on this episode um, about demonic possession, where we both say, hey, it's probably not demonic possession, but I'm not going to rule out 100% certain that it isn't. So, you know, like I said, um, you just got to do your research on that one, because not everything is demonic possession. Some of it is just people that are chemically imbalanced, or they are looking for attention. So we just got to be careful. Uh, And that's really it. It was a good show. Glad to have everybody. Um, I want to give a big shout out to Josie, James, Wekos, and Draconis for coming into the chat tonight. We miss some of you other folks that are usually here on chat night. But hey, 
We all have busy lives. I understand it. Don't forget to head on over to our Facebook page and group. Um, both places you can find this Uncanny Earth t-shirts. $10 a pop. Free shipping unless you are out of the country. Then we will work something out. Um, I think I don't really have, I don't really have anything else. Next week, Elizabeth Wittenberry will be on. Um, we I scheduled that, I think, last week. So we got that coming up. It's going to be fantastic. She's going to tell us a couple paranormal tales from the set of The Crumbs. And hopefully we can get her to talk about some of The Crumbs movie. Probably not. They've been real tight-lipped on that one. We're going to break them. We're going to break them. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's it. I'm going to go ahead and cut it off now. If there's anything you would like us to talk about in the future, please let us know in the comments or in the group. Um, you know, uh, we love you guys. You guys are awesome. You guys make us want to come here every Thursday, put out the best content we possibly can. Mm-hmm. The Patreon will be going live here within the next week, so get ready for that. We have a, I have a really big, really awesome surprise. I was just texting uh, uh, Spider on earlier, and we're teaming up to give you guys something that I don't think anybody's really done before. I think there's going to be some new groundbreaking thing for us, so we're, mm-hmm. we're really excited to bring that out. And um, that's it. As always, like I say, every single solitary episode. He does. Why? What? Really? <laughs> I said he does, yeah. Nah, he's trying to interrupt my, oh, my well, shine well, well. Here, man. Clown um, shoes. Oh, we forgot. I got to do this before we get out of here. 15 second round of applause for Count St. Germain and everybody in the comment section, everybody listening and supporting. Here's your 15 seconds. There it is. It's the thing I stopped you. Spider can't hear it. <laughs> he doesn't run things anymore. I run things over here now. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Why be boring when you can be uncanny? We'll see you next week, folks. That's right. Good night.